This is AWLS, Podcasts on Wilderness Medicine, from the University of Utah School of Medicine. Uh, this is Richard Ingebretson, and this is the uh, part two of assessing a patient uh, in uh, the wilderness. Uh, prior to this, in part one, we talked about the fact that assessing a patient in an emergent situation, or even in just an urgent situation in the backcountry, can be confusing and scary, especially if it's a family member or a close friend. So uh, the principle has been set up that there are four different surveys that you follow in assessing a patient. The first one, of course, is the scene assessment, where you make sure the scene is safe. Although we said that that might be difficult uh, if the, 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 uh, the risk of someone dying is so high, such as the man we talked about who caught on fire and his nephew just jumped on him. The uh, scene assessment also uh, deals with the number of victims, the nature of the illness, and the mechanism of injury. That's called the NOI and the MOI, terms that you need to be familiar with. Um, then we talked about the primary survey, which is the March protocol, uh, which the University of Utah School of Medicine helped to develop. Um, M is massive hemorrhage, which puts uh, stopping massive hemorrhage first, airway with C-spine, uh, respirations to make sure that they are breathing, uh, C, which stands for circulation, and we reminded you that there are four places within the body you can uh, bleed to death, as well as the skin in the street. That's the CARCH protocol. So the M-A-R-C-H, uh, after circulation, is uh, H, which is hike or helicopter, which helps you to decide whether you're going to keep the patient in the backcountry or evacuate them. And then hypothermia and hyperthermia, which uh, reminds us to make sure that the patient is safe from the elements and um, is warm and dry and safe from any other uh, harm or danger. The next survey, is uh, the, the third in the process, is called the secondary survey, and is really designed to do uh, a more focused uh, uh, exam that you do in the backcountry. Once you've done through the uh, scene survey and the primary survey, you are safe from harm. Uh, the primary survey allows for the patient to be kept alive and uh, safe as such as it is, the third survey now goes through a more focused exam, uh, trying to assess sort of what the actual problem is. Uh, uh, this is done after the primary survey and is usually uh, given to us as uh, an acronym called SAMPLE, S-A-M-P-L-E. Uh, again, if you're following along in the textbook or if you're just listening, uh, you can just memorize this uh, at some point. Uh, SAMPLE is the industry standard for the secondary survey S stands for symptoms and subjective. Uh, it really is what the patient is going to say to you, uh, and uh, you need to look at that. If they can't talk or not talking well or communicating well, then it's just the symptoms that you see. A stands for allergies uh, that the patient might have, either to medicine or food or tape or things that you might put on them. M tells us what medicines that the patient is taking. Uh, P stands for the prior medical history, and that stands... Uh, for the things that have happened to the patient in the past. That would include the surgical history as well as uh, uh, the many diseases they have. One real quick comment on the prior medical history is the patient is not clearly thinking or is subtended or unconscious. You're going to have to open up their uh, backpacks, their uh, fanny packs, waist packs. You're going to have to look around their wrists or their neck to look for necklaces to help determine because like if they're a diabetic 
and their uh, their sugars have dropped too low, that might be the reason they're obtunded. So you might be able to uh, obtain some of their uh, prior medical history based strictly on the fact that they have something on them. If they don't, uh, if they're not talking and you can't obtain it from them or from some uh, necklace or bracelet or something uh, in their pack, that, uh, some pills or things you might see, then you talk to their friends or people who know something about them. You might have to make a phone call if you have a cell phone and you have coverage you can call uh, and and uh, uh, their family or friends and see uh, what what their problem might be. Else, uh, going through the SAMPLE or sample, now we're up to uh, the last oral intake, which is from L. That becomes important because you need to know the time. It's not so much what they took, but when they took it, because if they're uh, going to have to be tr- uh, moved or treated, if they've just barely eaten, they might vomit and aspirate their food. This becomes an important uh, part of safety, but also if they're a diabetic and if they haven't eaten and they've been hiking and their blood sugars may, may have dropped. So if you know when it was, you might be able to help diagnose their problem. These stands for uh, the events leading up to the uh, illness or the injury, and it's last in the sampler protocol. This is actually very, very handy because uh, usually in uh, uh, the urgent assessment of a patient or evaluating a patient, you want to jump to this one first. The problem with doing that is you're going to, if you jump right to the events, the, uh, you know, the, what has caused the injury, you're going to miss a lot of things. For example, someone may have fallen off a small uh, cliff and injured themselves and they're obtunded, and you think, well, that's the injury. But maybe they fell off because they're a diabetic, or maybe they had an allergic reaction to a bee sting, or maybe they forgot to take their medicines maybe, and that affected them. So if you, if you start with the most obvious thing first, clinicians, rescuers, or people who are assessing a patient are going to miss very important concepts. So the sample survey, and even though it fits nicely into the SAMPLE, the events is the last thing you want to know. And even though it's the one that you want to know the most, you really need to know what the signs and uh, the symptoms and the subjective discussion is, their allergies, their medicines, their last uh, their prior medical history and their last oral intake so that you can make a, a better assessment of the patient. Um, anyway, uh, anyway, this becomes very important to do. As part of the sample survey, you should do a brief physical examination. What does that mean? Well, you, in the back country, it just literally may mean seeing if they have a broken bone or you've stabilized their neck, and then maybe you want to determine if they ha- actually have a broken neck. There is a lot of talk lately about um, not stabilizing a neck if it doesn't need to be stabilized. For example, if someone's fallen off a 20-foot cliff, you really almost have to assume they have a broken neck, even if they don't in the back country until you can uh, provide some sort of imaging study like a CT scan or an x-ray. However, if somebody is walking along and doesn't feel well and they stumble and they just sort of uh, stumble down to the ground, they very likely haven't broken their neck. And uh, at that point, you you don't need to immobilize them. So there's some talk about not everybody being immobilized as part of a protocol. However, when you do a physical exam at this point, this may be a time where you can do some uh, assessment of the neck to make sure that it's not broken. Also, you want to feel their uh, their chest and their abdomen, and you want to gently feel their bones to make sure if you suspect they have a broken bone that they don't have one. One comment on that is if you do think they have a broken bone on their arm or leg, don't press very hard there because it will hurt, especially if you can see that it's obviously broken. Pain is one way to, to assess a broken bone, but you don't want to uh, subject the patient to uh, any more pain than they have to. If you can have a blood pressure cuff, you can do it at this time. 
uh, and check their blood pressure, make sure you uh, uh, feel their pulse. There is a whole discussion in another uh, podcast about how to assess vital signs and do a physical exam in the backcountry, but this is where you would uh, likely do that is uh, in the secondary survey. The fourth survey is called the ongoing survey. This is one that is often overlooked. Uh, it is not very complicated to do, but once you have uh, done the scene survey, the primary survey, the secondary survey, and now you've, you've made a decision whether the patient is going to be able to stay in the backcountry and you watch them or they continue on to their activity or whether you're going to evacuate them. It really doesn't matter whether you keep them in or out. The ongoing survey needs to be done if you've assessed a patient. This is usually done by a single uh, a person. For example, if you have a, a couple of friends that you're backpacking with, someone trips and falls and you, and you just assume that they tripped and fell, and, uh, and they may have twisted their ankle, it becomes to you to continue to watch that ankle and see if they're walking on it okay, if they can continue the trip, even though they say that they might. They might be limping and it might be getting worse. You need to continue to go talk to them and ask them, is it getting better? Can you do this? Another case of this, someone who uh, ate some bad food and is starting to vomit, and you have a, you've made the decision to keep them in the backcountry, and uh, you're going to have to keep continuing them. You know, How do you feel? Are you taking food, are you taking water, that becomes an important part. Or if you decided to evacuate them and you're walking them out or you're carrying them out or if you made a litter or if you uh, had a search and rescue come, <clears throat> someone needs to continue to talk to them and make sure that their disease is not getting better or it's not getting, uh, 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 that it's getting better or it's not getting worse. One mnemonic that can help you to continue the assessment of a patient is called AVPU. AVPU, which is alert, verbal pain, unresponsive. When, if whoever is assessing the patient, whether they're walking in the backcountry, they're nauseated, or uh, or if they're having some illness, or if you're evacuating them some way, it usually is done by one person rather than a series of person. What is nice about AVPU or AVPU, they're very subjective. Uh, if one person does this or two people do it and they continue to ask the patient how they're doing, you can assess whether they're alert, whether they're talking, what their pain status is, if they're responsive or not. And when you do this, it's almost like you have a child and uh, you look at them and you kind of get a sense about them. Medicine is really about uh, 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 if somebody's getting better or worse. We know that everybody's injured, sick, or not doing well when they see a physician or see a nurse or a clinician of any kind. And in the backcountry, if you're assessing a patient, you know that something's wrong. It doesn't matter so much that they are having a problem when you first evaluate them. It's how they are the next time you evaluate them. Trends mean everything in uh, medicine in general, but in backcountry medicine, they mean everything because you're out there all alone and you have no choice but to assess them in, in a more austere or a remote environment. So it becomes important that one person that continually evaluate the patient and uh, uh, sort of get a sense for them. If you think that things are going bad and, the, and, the, and that they're getting worse, you really need to go right back up to the uh, scene survey and start there and, and make sure that uh, when you evaluate the patient now that things are safe, safe and you're going to have to look at the mechanism of injury, the nature of the illness, and then do the primary survey and the secondary survey all over again. So little changes up and down are to be expected. So watch for rapid uh, decompensation or when patients get sicker or um, uh, uh, when they uh, are getting better. And these are things you should comment on. Um, there's a couple of other issues that we want to mention as part of this uh, podcast, and that is um, 
the assessment of a patient with altered mental status. Uh, there is uh, a n- number of things which will change somebody's ability to communicate and be awake. Uh, there are so many, in fact, that it's, it's hard to memorize them. So there is a mnemonic to use that will help you with this. This is another one that you need to memorize. Uh, it is called uh, AEIOU uh, TIPS. Uh, these are, some of these are minor, but some of them are, are very serious, and you need to look at them. So AEIOU TIPS is the one A is, uh, oh, by the way, if you've learned this before, um, wilderness medicine adds a couple of items to these that urban medicine doesn't. For example, A adds altitude and E adds uh, the environment uh, to it. Uh, T adds toxins. Let me go over these. So A is allergies and altitude. E is environment and epilepsy. I is infection. O is overdose. U is underdose. T is trauma and toxins. I is insulin, which means diabetes. P are psychological disorders, uh, such as a conversion reaction, and S is stroke. If you remember AEIOU tips, and if you uh, memorize that mnemonic, you'll just be a better clinician and a better uh, uh, assessor of someone who has an altered mental mental status. They're not hard to memorize. You just need to sit down and and do it. Remember in wilderness medicine, at altitude, the environment, that means hot or cold, and uh, to, to remember toxins, plant toxins, uh, in uh, in the back country, another mnemonic which is going to become uh, useful to you uh, in assessing a patient in the back country is their pain. One of the uh, interesting um, aspects of pain is that if you have a good understanding of pain, then you will have a good understanding of uh, uh, what is causing the pain, and that will help you be to uh, diagnose them. Uh, for example, if somebody has a pain in their lower uh, uh, right quadrant of their abdomen, then you jump right to the fact that it could be an appendicitis or if they have uh, a crushing chest pain, like uh, if there's a heavy pressure on their chest that's radiating up into their left arm, then you start thinking about a, a heart attack or a myocardial infarction. So to know where the pain is, what's ca- you know the character of the pain will help you to diagnose it. This comes with time. Memorizing a mnemonic which helps you with this uh, will help you to do this. The mnemonic that we use in backcountry medicine is colder, C-O-L-D-E-R-R, that's two R's at the end of it, uh, colder, er, uh, which stands for character, onset, location, uh, duration, exacerbation, radiation, relief. That is, what is its character? When did it start? Where is it located? How long has it been going? Did anything make it better? Anything make it uh, worse? And is it radi- uh, uh, radiating anywhere? So if you can do that, uh, you'll be able to diagnose pain in a better fashion, and that will become uh, 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 useful to you. Now, there is another mnemonic that some of you may have learned uh, in rescue medicine that starts with OPQRST, and you can use that one too. Uh, generally speaking, we uh, teach the colder uh, mnemonic, uh, but, uh, but if you learned OPQRST, you don't need to uh, learn this new one. A couple other things in rescue medicine. Uh, uh, if, if you have to leave a victim and go get help, um, there is a recovery position that you uh, can put them in, uh, which puts them on the side, puts the top leg forward, and um, uh, with one arm slightly under their head, with both arms forward. This is called the recovery position. Patients will typically stay in this. It's the position that you usually sleep in, so you can stay in this position for hours. The nice thing is about this is uh, it's very good for uh, the fact that they uh, vomit, they won't aspirate their food, 
uh, or their stomach contents, and it also is a comfortable position for them. It stabilizes the neck. Uh, and you can see that uh, on the webpage of WildMedU uh, or, or in the textbook that you might be uh, looking at. Um, uh, the other comment that we want to make is uh, about um, uh, drowning. Um, uh, a, a submersion injury is a special case where oxygen becomes an important part of the assessment. Uh, drowning victims are already depleted of oxygen. And so uh, when you pull someone from the water and you think they've been drowning, getting uh, 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 oxygen into their lungs is of primary importance. Remember this. A lot of times we hear stories of how they pull people from the water and they start doing chest compressions on them. That is the second thing that you would do to a drowning victim. You really need to open up their mouth, make sure their uh, airway is open, assess their airway, and do two rescue breaths and get uh, oxygen into their lungs. And then check if they don't have a pulse and then do CPR. But with a rescue victim, uh, you really want to do uh, get air uh, into their lungs. And you might have to continue to do this. But um, And remember, with rescue, uh, uh, rescuing a victim from drowning, you don't want to do uh, what uh, used to be called the Heimlich maneuver. But it really is the maneuver trying to get air from the lungs. This is a, an, an, uh, a sort of an unnecessary uh, 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 a procedure uh, for them. One other quick comment is um, uh, when you're assessing a patient and now you're coming down to uh, cleaning a wound, we want to remind you to make sure that as you uh, clean out a wound that you protect yourself. There is a, a thought that if you're rescuing someone that you don't care if their blood gets on them or that their body substances get on you. Uh, this is incorrect. You really need to protect yourself. Uh, which, with the body substance isolation protocols, um, you might need to use uh, their rain gear or their uh, clothing to protect you rather than your own because if you use your own, then your clothing is contaminated. But if they have a, uh, like a rain jacket or coat that they're not using, you can protect yourself as you clean out a wound. So protecting yourself becomes important uh, in that way. And if you have to use their clothing as a shield, that's okay. The other comment in backcountry uh, assessing is exposure. People in the backcountry often have more clothing on than people in the front country uh, by means of uh, sweats uh, or uh, ski suits, or they might have backpacks on or helmets or gloves. And you really need to look under those. This becomes a problem if it's really cold out. So you have to be careful in how you manage this. Also, if you start cutting off clothing and the weather is cold, now the victim is not going to have uh, uh, coverage. So be careful how you remove the clothing. If you do have to cut clothing off, be careful because you're going to need to keep them warm and you're going to, you might be able to use uh, some of your clothing, but in reality, uh, just be careful with that one so you don't destroy their protection. The last comment in, the sec uh, in this uh, second podcast is medical documentation. Uh, it's not what you should be doing right at the start. But you should be doing this uh, along the way. We use the SOAP uh, note method, that is subjective, objective, assessment, and plan. Uh, the SOAP method allows you to write notes down. When you're done with the uh, rescuing your thoughts, please write these down. Uh, it's important to be able to give a prepared presentation when you hand off a victim or when you talk to the doctor or you talk to somebody else, family members, and um, so the verbal presentation will be done the same way as a SOAP written down presentation. If this ever has to be passed off or is looked at by other people, just having a simple note would be extremely useful. 
subjective objective assessment plan. The subjective is the sort of the patient's view of it, the notes, uh, the comments that they made. Objective are, is what you did, what, uh, uh, what you observed. A would be the assessment, and P would be your plan and kind of what happened uh, uh, either in the backcountry or if you evacuate them. Don't assume that just because somebody stayed in the backcountry uh, that you don't need to do this. Just come home and more memorialize the uh, uh, the event and just a note. You can type it in a note on your computer or on your uh, smartphone. That just so that you have something to remind you because otherwise you might uh, forget that. Well, um, this ends uh, the second uh, podcast on assessing, assessing the patient in the back country. The one thing we want you to do is make sure that you uh, get a hold of uh, uh, and look at the textbook from the course that you're taking and uh, review these and um, uh, start to memorize these so that you can apply them um, and, and reread them and uh, re-listen uh, uh, to these so that you get an understanding. And remember, when you get into the backcountry and you are assessing someone, especially if it's a critical situation, uh, that, uh, that it's uh, very difficult sometimes to uh, think clearly because the, uh, you will become very excited and, uh, and, and even nervous. But if you remember the protocols, you remember the mnemonics, that will help you. Anyway, that ends the podcast. And again, thank you for listening.